Thank you, Megan. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> I know what you're all thinking. That is not Jeff or Christy Kerr up there. I thought they were back from sabbatical. And they are. They were back for a week, and they decided they needed another break. <laughs> um, no, they are on their family annual family vacation this weekend. They will be back next week. So they asked me if I wanted to speak today, and I reluctantly agreed. Um, I feel like this really isn't my thing, but I felt like the Lord was challenging me, and I felt like I had a word to share, so you guys are stuck with me this weekend. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Stacy Montgomery. I'm on staff here at Homestead working with Care Ministry, and I'm going to pop up a picture of our family up there. That is our family. Um, Darren is my husband. We've been married for 22 years. We were high school sweethearts, started dating when we were 15, if, if that's even a thing. Um, this picture here, the next picture is us at our senior prom, 1996. Yep, do you love our hair? Darren had quite a bit more hair back then. Um, and I feel like that hairstyle is kind of coming back in now, don't you think? Um, and then Darren works in the mortgage, mortgage industry. He's super smart. He's good with numbers and finances and budgets and all of that sort of stuff that I am no good at. Um, he's also one of the most generous people I know, and he's taught me a lot about generosity, and I love that about him. And then we have Evie. She's 17. She will be a senior at Farmington High School this year, so very exciting time. She is our creative, uh, intuitive, old soul, and I love her very much. My kids are here in this service, so I get to embarrass them a little bit. <laughs> um, and then we have Eli. He is 14. He will be a freshman at Farmington High School, which means my kids will be at the same school this year. And Evie's driving. So if you're a parent to teenagers, you know that this is a game changer as a parent. So I will spend a lot less time in the car this year, which I'm excited about. But Eli is competitive and funny, and he's always up for a challenge. So don't challenge that kid because he will be out to win. <laughs> Um, and then that little fluff ball that I'm holding there is Norman. This is, this is when we first got him back in November. He was just a very baby puppy, and this is him now. <laughs> He's grown <laughs> quite a bit. Um, one thing to know about me is that I am a dog lover, especially big dogs, especially golden retrievers. Norman is our third golden retriever, our first puppy, and likely our last puppy. <laughs> um, my practical analytical husband uh, tried to tell me how much work a puppy was going to be. And I was like, how hard can it be? They're so cute. They're so cute. It's just a little football. Um, but I grossly underestimated the amount of work that a puppy was going to be. But he is almost a year old now. He's grown out of a lot of his bad puppy habits. And he is pretty darn sweet. And we love him a lot. So... Um, I love my family very much. <laughs> Another thing to know about me is that I'm a nurse. I worked in labor and delivery for over 20 years, welcoming new babies into the world. Uh, and then about three years ago, I felt like God was really calling me into something else. And I wasn't really quite sure what that was yet. So I just kind of made myself open to that, made myself more available at church. And then about a year ago, I really felt like God was calling me into the ministry. 
And I fought it at first. I was like, God, I am a nurse. That's what I went to school for. That's what I'm prepared for. I'm good at it. That's what I like to do. I'm not a leader. I'm not pastor material. Um, but I really felt like God was telling me, Stacy, I had you be a nurse for 20 years to prepare you for this next step. So I quit my job. And I told Christy and Jeff what I felt like I was being called into and basically told them to put me to work. And I started taking classes to become credentialed. And God willing, next spring, I will be a pastor. Oh, thank you, Patty. <laughs> and I never, ever, ever thought that that would happen. I never thought that that would be the path that God would put me on. Um, another thing about me is that I am pretty introverted. I'm pretty quiet. Um, it takes a little bit to get to know me, but once you do get to know me, I actually can talk quite a lot. I actually am a lot of fun, and <laughs> I, um, I actually have a pretty good sense of humor. Those, of, those that are closest to me know that about me, but it t might take a little bit um, to get there. Um, another thing that you should know about me is that I am a sensitive soul. So... I'm a crier. Are there any other criers in here? <laughs> There's quite a few of you. Um, I cry a lot. I cry a lot. 365 days of the year, I probably cry 360 of them. Um, I, I don't just cry at weddings and funerals like normal people. I cry pretty much at anything. If somebody else is crying, I cry. Um, I cry at the Olympics. Does anybody else cry at the Olympics? Yes. So like when Bob Costas, it's not Bob Costas anymore, it's somebody else, but when they come on and they do like the little backstory where they talk about this athlete and they've persevered, you know, and then they go win their gold medal and they're up on the medal stand singing the national anthem, I am just a blubbering mess. Um, I cry at movies and TV shows. I have to be reminded that it's not real life. Um, <laughs> Eli makes fun of me. <laughs> um, I cry when I go to Hallmark and I pick out cards. So I'm also a card and gift person. I like to send cards. I like to give gifts. And so I'll go into Hallmark looking for a card for somebody, and I find myself tearing up reading the cards. I know. It's ridiculous. Um, I cry at worship. I cry when I pray. I cry during my quiet time. I cry a lot. And it's sometimes a quality that I haven't always loved about myself. It can be embarrassing. Um, I've been having dinner with friends, and we might be talking about a subject that might be a little sensitive to me, and uh, I'll start crying about it. I've had to excuse myself from the table. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that about myself. Um, there's also been times when I've wanted to speak up, but I'm so afraid that I'm going to start crying that I end up not saying anything. It makes me feel weak sometimes, makes me feel out of control. Sometimes I ask God, like, why did you make me this way? Why can't I just keep it together? Um, it's one of the main reasons why I didn't want to come up here and do this today. It's because I'm terrified that I won't be able to get through this message without becoming a blubbering mess up here in front of all of you. <laughs> So, God does what he does in his funny little ways, and he told me that this is what he wanted me to talk about today. 
He wanted me to talk about what I don't always love about myself. He wanted me to talk about tears and crying. He wanted me to dig into the Bible and see what the Bible has to say about, about it, what he has to say about it. And so that is what I'm going to talk about today. So I just wanted to pray first, if we could all just close our eyes. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for today and for each and every person that came in this building. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit will fill this room right now and we will glean whatever it is that you want us to learn today. That your word would come alive to us, that we would feel your presence. In your precious name, amen. So there actually are a lot of criers in the Bible. Did you guys know this? <laughs> I began studying and I actually found that crying and tears are mentioned a lot in the Bible. A lot of our Bible heroes cried. Joshua cried, Ruth cried, Hezekiah cried. It actually says about Hezekiah that he wept bitterly and the Lord saw his tears and answered his prayer. Job cried, uh, Jeremiah cried. Jeremiah cried so much he was known as the weeping prophet. So he actually had a nickname. <laughs> um, Peter cried, Paul cried, and David cried. And we've been talking about Psalms all summer and how many of the chapters are actually laments to God. They're the authors crying out to God. And a lot of these Psalms were written by David. And I'm going to refer to one of those Psalms here in a little bit. But first, I wanted to focus on a passage of scripture of somebody else crying. Can anybody guess who that might be? Jesus, yes. Bingo. <laughs> um, Jesus was a crier. There are actually three instances in the Bible that talk about Jesus crying. And I wanted to talk about one of those instances today. Um, it's a very well-known passage of scripture. Most of you have probably heard it before. It's the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. So if you could turn with me in your Bibles to John 11. And the verses will also be up on the screen for you guys to follow along. Most of you guys are probably familiar with this story. It's a family that was very close to Jesus, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, their siblings. And Jesus gets word that Lazarus, his good friend, is sick. And he doesn't rush back to Bethany where they're from. He actually waits four days before he goes back there. And by this time, Lazarus has died. Martha, Lazarus' sister, tells Jesus, if you had only been there, my brother would still be alive. And they have this exchange where Jesus tells Martha that Lazarus will rise again. And he tells her that he's the resurrection and the life. And then after that moment, there's a moment with Mary. And this is where you see recorded the shortest verse of the Bible, which you guys have probably heard. Jesus wept. Probably one of the most human moments that Jesus had on earth. And this is where we're going to start reading John chapter 11, starting in verse 28. After Martha had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. 
When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. So Jesus starts crying. He was doing what most humans would probably do in that situation. He started crying. God made us to cry. Jesus was showing that not only was he the son of man or son of God, but that he was human. And what do humans do? They cry. So I see a lot of parents in the room, and I'm a labor and delivery nurse, so I have a question for all of you. What was the first thing that you wanted your baby to do when they were delivered in the delivery room? Cry. Yes. Crying meant that they were okay, right? Crying meant that they had taken their first breath, that air was filling their lungs. It was a good sign. It was a sign of life. It's what we want them to do. We get worried if the nurse whisks the baby off to the warmer to try and stimulate the baby to cry. We don't want silence in the delivery room. We want to hear tears. God made us to cry from the very moment that we were born. He made us to cry from the get-go. And then as babies, crying was the way that we communicated what we needed, right? We didn't have the words to speak, so we cried. God uses tears as a way to communicate and connect with others, even as we get older, when we have the words. Crying helps us communicate emotion, helps us to connect with others when we don't have the words to speak. When you see somebody crying, it gets your attention, right? If you see somebody, it's like crying, it's like, well, why are they crying? What's wrong? Um, are they sad? Are they angry? What emotions are they trying to communicate? Crying is a way to communicate and connect without words. So let me get all nerdy and sciencey here for a minute because I'm a nurse and I like to know how the human body works. I like to know how God made us. So I just wanted to look at the science and pathophysiology behind tears for a second. So there's actually three types of tears. The first type of tears are called basal tears. And these are the tears that lubricate the eyes and keep debris out of them. So these are the tears that your eyes are kind of continuously making to keep your eyes wet so they don't dry out. That's the first type of tears. The second type of tears are called reflex tears. And these are the tears that happen in a response to a stimulus. So when you chop onions and you start crying, when you yawn or when you cough, or when you look into the sun and it's too bright and you feel tears coming to your eyes, those are reflex tears. They're in response to a stimulus. They're reflexive. And then the third type of tears are called emotional tears. And these are the tears that are caused by emotion. So tears when you are sad, when you are grieving, when you are angry, scared, when you're hurting, or even when you're happy. And humans are the only living being that are capable of these kinds of tears. These emotional tears actually have a different chemical makeup to them than the basal and reflex tears. 
they are made differently. These tears actually have more protein in them. And scientists believe that these tears have more protein in them because they stick better to our cheek, they last longer on our cheek, making them easier to be seen, making them more visible. So God made these tears different because he wanted them to be seen. I just think that's fascinating. Um, these tears also release hormones. They release endorphins. They're proven to release stress and toxins. They help ease emotional and physical pain. Have you guys ever felt better after you've had a good cry? Yes. There's actually a physiological reason for that. That's how God made us. Tears help you heal. God made us that way. So back to the scripture for a minute. Jesus, in this moment that he's having with Mary and Martha and the rest of the Jews, he's showing us that he's capable of these emotional tears. He's giving us a testimony to the fullness of his humanity. He was showing us that he could cry in order to connect with us. He was the son of God, and he was letting us know that it's okay to cry. So, labor and delivery. It's a wonderful, happy, joyous time to work about 99% of the time. There's happy, joyous tears in the delivery room, but the other 1% of the time, it is not. I was working in triage one day, this was a number of years ago, and a patient came in for a scheduled C-section. Uh, she was there to have her baby, she was term pregnant, excited, they went to their room, another nurse was taking care of her, and one of the first things we do when patients come into the hospital is we put them on the monitor, and this monitor listens for the baby's heartbeat. And so this nurse did that, she put her on the monitor, and tried to find the baby's heartbeat and couldn't find the heartbeat. And so she came out to the desk to me, I was sitting out at the desk, and she asked me if I would go into the patient's room and see if I could find it. And while I was doing that, she was gonna give the doctor a call. So I went into the patient's room. By this time, the mom and the uh, dad, the patient's husband, were already crying. They were worried and scared, wondering what was going on. I put the monitor on her and I tried to find the heartbeat and I also could not find it. And a few minutes later, the doctor came in with the ultrasound and confirmed our biggest fear that the baby didn't have a heartbeat, that at some point the baby had passed away, that she'd still be having her baby today, but there would be no joyous, happy tears in the delivery room. There would be no reassuring cries from the baby. And the mom and the dad started sobbing, and I remember just sitting with her at the side of her bed on a stool, and I had my hand on her leg, And I remember I started crying myself. And I remember just sitting with her there. 
And I ended up being their nurse that day and taking care of them. And I remember not saying much of anything. It was pretty silent. Because, you know, there's times in our lives where there just really aren't any words, right? Sometimes life can be awful and hard and unfair, and there just aren't any words to be said. And so that's why I believe God created tears. I went to go visit them the next day and walked into their room and... We both started crying when we saw each other, and um, I remember sitting down next to her bed, and she grabbed my hand, and she said, Stacy, thank you. Well, she didn't thank me for being her nurse. She didn't thank me for taking care of them. She didn't thank me for making sure her pain was under control. She looked me in the eye, and she said, Stacy, thank you for sitting with us and crying with us. <sighs> Romans 12:15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. God calls us to cry. This is what Jesus does with Mary and Martha and the other Jews that day. He sits with them and he cries with them. And Jesus wouldn't have needed to do this, right? He knew what he was about to do. He was going to go raise Lazarus from the dead. He was going to go perform this incredible miracle. He could have been like, hey, guys, you don't need to cry. I'm about to go fix this. I'm about to go perform a miracle. You don't need to cry. But he did not do that. He sat with them. And he wept with them. So the Greek word for wept in the verse Jesus wept actually means to calmly shed tears and weep silently. So I just imagine Jesus in that moment sitting with Mary and Martha and the rest of the Jews. Maybe his hand is on Martha's leg and he's just silently crying. And I want to emphasize the word silent there. Jesus does not say anything during this time. Romans 12:15 says to weep with those who weep, not talk. Not to try and fix things. Not to quote some Bible verse. Not to tell them that God's going to work everything out for the good. Not to tell them that everything's going to be okay. It just says to cry with them. So I want to speak to the non-criers in the room for a moment. Because there are probably some of you in the room that don't cry as much as I do. Um, and that's okay. God made us all differently. God made me crazy. And God made some of you cold with hearts of stone. <laughs> Uh, but tears can be uncomfortable to be around, right? They can be uncomfortable. They can feel vulnerable. And sometimes I believe that's why people don't cry. But it's what God calls us to do. Sitting with somebody in their pain and their hurt and their sadness and their tears can be powerful and healing. 
And I want to challenge those of you in the room that don't consider yourself criers to be more mindful of those around you when they are hurting and crying and to just sit with them. See how God uses you in those moments. Feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and maybe let your own tears come. It's actually a huge expression of love to those people when you do that. In fact, if you look at the next verse, after Jesus wept, verse 36, says, Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. See how he loved him. His tears were not a sign of weakness. They were a sign of love. So what happens next in the story? We all know, I kind of told you just a few minutes ago, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, and the sad tears are more than likely replaced with joyous tears. Our tears are not supposed to last forever. They are meant to be temporary. Tears are temporary. And there are many verses in the Bible that talk about this. Psalm 126, verse 5 says, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Luke 6, 21 says, Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. These are promises in the word of God that our tears are not forever. They're promises that joy is coming Ecclesiastes 3, 4 says there is a time to weep and there's a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. And just like how Jesus knew the story was going to end with Lazarus, we as Christians know how our story is going to end, right? Ultimately, Jesus is coming again. He will be victorious. There will be a new heaven and a new earth and there will be no more crying which as a crier is hard for me to imagine, um, but the Bible promises it. Revelations 21, 3 through 4 says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain or for the former things have passed away. Tears are temporary. There will eventually be an end to the crying, and that should give us joy and hope, even in the midst of the hard stuff now. Amen? Amen. Okay, so now I'm finally going to get to the psalm that I was referencing earlier. Psalm 56, if you guys want to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 56. It's one of my favorite psalms. You'll see why in a moment. <laughs> it's written by David. He is writing this psalm when fleeing from Saul and the Philistines to the city of Gath. And he pretends that he is insane so that the king of Gath wants nothing to do with him, which is an interesting tactic, but it works. And then he flees and takes refuge in a cave. And you can actually read about this in 1 Samuel 21, 8 through 15. So that's when this psalm was written. So just imagine David 
running and hiding, fleeing for his life. He's scared, worried, exhausted. And let's read this psalm together. Be merciful to me, O God, for men are hounding me. All day they press their attack. My enemies pursue me all day long, for they proudly assail me. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? All day long they twist my words. All their thoughts are on my demise. They conspire. They lurk. They watch my steps while they wait to take my life. In spite of such sin, will they escape? In your anger, O God, cast down the nations. You have taken account of my wanderings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will retreat on the day I cry for help. By this I will know that God is on my side. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Your vows are upon me, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. So I want to focus on verse 8 in this psalm, this, this beautiful piece of poetry that David writes and gives us this lovely picture. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? God cares about our tears. So I studied what this verse could mean, the whole bottle reference that David is referring to in the psalm, and there are a few interpretations in the commentaries that I read. So the first one was the practice of using a large wineskin bottle that would be used to hold precious wine. So David would be describing God as using this kind of larger bottle that would have been covered in animal skin to collect tears, and that those bottles would have been used to hold precious wine back in the day. And then the second interpretation, and my personal favorite, how I kind of like to envision it in my head, is referring to this ancient custom of the Romans and the Hebrews, where they would collect tears in these small bottles or vases or vials, some of them were made of ceramic. Some of them were made of glass or the earth. And when there was a death, they would go around and collect everyone's tears with this little bottle. And then they would bury the bottle with the person that had died as a memorial. So this last year has been a hard one for me. Um, just a lot of life stuff, just a few unexpected losses, just some tough things that I've had to go through. I was tired and emotional and irritable. I was crying a lot, crying more than what I normally do, <laughs> um, feeling off. And I realized that kind of at the very beginning of May that I might be depressed. And so I decided to call my doctor and make an appointment to maybe talk about starting some medication. The next day, I got a phone call from my sister. It was probably around 8.30 in the morning. She was hysterically crying on the other end of the phone. She told me that my 
dad's fiance had woken up to my dad not breathing. His heart had stopped, and she had to do CPR. Called the paramedics. They were currently doing CPR as I was talking to my sister on the phone. So we took the next flight out to Arizona. That's where they were at, not even knowing if my dad would be alive when we got there. He was put on life support, and for the next two weeks, we sat by his bedside as he was given a 1% chance of living. And I was like, really, God? <laughs> like, I'm just tired. I don't think I can handle one more thing. And I honestly, I felt like God was pretty far away in that moment. So one of the days, my sister and I went down to the gift shop at the hospital just to pass some time. And we saw these little bottles there that somebody was selling. They're all different kinds. Um, most of them were about this size, some the, you know, a little wider opening, some were different colors. And I immediately thought of that verse in Psalm 56. You put my tears in your bottle. So I bought one to remind me that God really wasn't far away at all. He was very near. He cared so much about me and my tears that he was collecting them in his bottle. God cares about our tears. He cares about our tears so much that he's collecting them in bottles. And I like to imagine heaven and my house in heaven someday. And when I get up there, there's going to be this big room, maybe kind of like a library with lots of shelves. And it's going to be filled with hundreds, probably thousands of bottles in my case, of all the times that God has collected my tears. And here's the deal. In order to collect tears with a bottle, you have to be close to somebody, right? You can't just like hold out a bottle and like hold it there hoping that the tears are going to fall in it. You have to be right next to somebody's cheek. You have to be touching their cheek. So I like to imagine God with his arm around me, holding this little bottle, collecting my tears, telling me it's going to be okay. I care about each and every tear that you are crying. I am close. I am near. And I know sometimes that crying can feel lonely. The hard stuff that we are going through can be real hard. And it can feel like nobody understands. But God does. He is close and he's near. He's so close that he's collecting your tears with his bottle. So I just want to take a few minutes and pray. If everyone could just close their eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for tears. Thank you for making us in the incredible way that you have and for giving us a way to express our emotions with each other, a way for us to connect deeper with you 
and with each others. I thank you for the example you gave us with Jesus who cried himself and let us know that it's okay to cry. And I pray that we can be a community that weeps with one another. I pray that your Holy Spirit will be present as we sit and cry with those that are hurting. Help us to show that love to one another as you did. And Lord, I pray especially for those in this room right now. And I feel like there are people in this room right now that are going through a difficult season. A season where the tears don't seem to stop. Where it feels like you're very far away. And Lord, I just want... I want you to help them know that they are not alone, that you are close, that you are right next to them, collecting their tears, that you care about each and every one of them, and that you have promised them joy, that their tears will not last forever. We love you, Lord. Please cover every person in this room as they leave here today. In your precious name we pray, amen. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> there will be um, prayer teams up here if there are any of you that have a specific prayer need that needs to be prayed with with somebody. And I just send you all out in love and have a wonderful day. <laughs>